What's the difference between an EVP and an employer brand? It's not a riddle. It really isn't. But for something that's so fundamental to our understanding of how we do our job, of how we attract and retain talent, it really seems like an EVP, employer brand, brand position, the brand promise, whatever you want to call it, they're almost never very well defined. And I mean, personally, I've been, I've been pretty guilty of using them fairly interchangeably sometimes. And, you know, okay, I'll be better at that. And sometimes I just mirror the terminology used by whoever I'm talking to in order to kind of get to the work of doing good work. But every experienced and smart employer brand practitioner can't always explain the difference. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We don't want to let you kind of be in this position where you to say things like, well, the way I like to think about it is, which again, so guilty, so guilty. Um, we're going to dive deep and nail down exactly what the difference between an EVP and employer brand and really a lot of these definitions are once and for all. And that's what we're going to talk about when we get back. Hey everybody, James Ellis here. Welcome to The Talent Cast, Season 2, the audiobook podcast version 2.0 of Talent Chooses You, brought to you by the one and only RecruitmentMarketing.com, the community for recruitment marketing professionals. Go check them out. I We did a and ask me anything a couple of, maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, something like that, went really, really well. Um, I think I surprised people by how many questions I could answer <laughs> because I talk quickly. So join. We're gonna, I think we're doing another one in, let's see, if this one comes, I don't know when this is coming up. I think late May. So to go sign up to recruitmentmarketing.com, see when the next one is, and uh, go take a look. You know, maybe go hang out. Otherwise, if this is the kind of stuff you like to think about and talk about, I've got a newsletter, right? Like everybody else has a newsletter. Mine isn't on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, everybody has their own choice about how they do that, but mine's on Substack. But if you go to employerbrand.news, it is free. Sign up. You get a brand new spanking newsletter issue every Monday morning. Uh, you know, there's some music in it. There's some links to it. There's some ideas in it. You know, it's really just there to kind of keep you sharp, keep your edge, right? That's all that's about. So anyway, let's get back to it. So the employer brand, well, I mean, let's get take a half a step back. Is there even a difference between an employer brand and an EVP? And I think the answer is yes. The employer brand is the big picture. As we said before, you take the sum of all the touch points and all the experiences somebody might have about the company and it builds that mental concept of what it's like to work for you or what it's like to work at that company, you know, that bird's nest model. Those conceptions are collected together across everyone, and called an employer brand. While it can initially feel like a really messy idea, it isn't. You just have to let go of the idea that it's controllable, right? It lives in other people's minds, and that idea is distributed across everybody's minds, so you really don't have direct access to it. Your job is to influence it. Now, the EVP, the Employer Value Proposition, is a derivation of what marketers learn in college, right? That what's the value proposition? What do we offer the customer? And we stick an E in front of it because, well, aside from mail, we're the only ones who add E's to everything, right? So think about that as the, 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 the tiny bit of DNA in the company about how those experiences, all those touch points that frame the brand, how they happen. Right? It's, it's defined very often as to what the company does and how it does it and why it does it, all that stuff, those behaviors, those decisions, those actions. They're what people are registering as, they, as other people build their sense of the brand. You decide to make a policy that says 
We are not going to give women, or actually, heck, don't be women, be all people, uh, the bare legal minimum of family leave. That impacts your ability to go to market and say, we really care about families. We really care about women's issues, or we really care about uh, 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 family issues. Yeah, the policy dictates what you're allowed to talk about out in the world, right? It, it shapes your ability to influence what people's perception of the brand is. So that means you can't separate the employer brand from the EVP. They're, they're, I don't know if they're two sides of the same coin or maybe the seed and the, the flower. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of metaphors here. But one is the instruction set of what's done and other is the outcome of all the behaviors and actions. We're going to dive deeper into that, okay? But let's start with this simple idea. The EVP is the tent pole that supports a much bigger and wider employer brand tent. It's the thing that props it up. It's the thing that creates space in air that allows the circus to kind of exist under a big top. Without the, without the pole, it would just be a bunch of people under a big tarp and not much of a circus there, right? The, 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 the pole has to prop the tent up to create that space where things can exist. But while the employer brand can be described in a lot of different ways, your EVP should be expressed as a, as a kind of structure because that is what it is. It's a core idea around which you support taglines and all the other stuff that you care about. Think of an EVP as a concept. Like, we're here to organize the world's data. And that, that might sound familiar because that's literally the mission of Google. Now, using that concept, they make a large and small decisions every single day. Should they try and, and map every road in the world? Should they sound like a, does that sound like a project where it's, you're organizing a lot of data? Yeah, okay, so I guess we should. It, it connects to our mission. It connects to our strategy. It connects to what we do. Should they try to build a mobile operating system for people's phones? Well, it seems like a means to help people organize their own lives and personal data. So I guess, yeah, I guess that's true, right? You can see how this concept of what we're here for and what we're offering leads to decisions. Do we do this or do we not do this? Did Google think about mobile operating systems and real-time traffic data when they announced their mission of organizing the world's data? Probably not, right? They weren't really there to initially anyway, organize the web, right? What are the web pages doing? They were there to beat Yahoo and, and directory systems. They were there to spider websites and say, this is, what's, this is what we're finding. And yet, with a strong central idea of why that company exists, they could define the shape of their company for years, decades in fact, right? That simple idea is their north kind of star. It helps them make decisions. And that might explain why Google's never really succeeded at things like social media. Because social media's power doesn't come from organization. It comes from connections and communication. That's not how or, you know, a monster company like Google kind of thinks of the world. It's not a good fit. Now, the same is very true with your EVP. What is the core reason your company exists to your employees? Not just what it exists, not just what it does, but why does it do it for you? How does it interact with your employees? Why should employee care? What's the reason they should work hard and uh, push boundaries and give a whole lot of extra effort? What are they getting and what are they expecting to get out of working there? That's a really simple idea, and yet there's a lot to it. There's like, a whole lot of stuff under it, but... 
And, and you got to remember that that's just because you claim that, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what people care about. We've talked about that with motivations. What you do and what you offer and what you promise will align to certain people's motivations, thus attracting them. But it starts by knowing what you're all about. So with that concept nailed down, the employer brand is everything your company does with the idea of how it interacts with people. Remember, it's an underlying idea of what it must be like to work in your company, an idea that exists exclusively in other people's minds. You can take that concept and make better decisions around what social campaigns, what videos, job posting language, career site content, yada, 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 what you want to put out in the world. So having read all about the motivations and positions, maybe you think your EVP is all about how you develop your staff. Okay, great. Completely valid approach. But to be fair, that becomes pretty one-dimensional pretty quickly. If a company decided that its EVP was, hey, we're move fast and break things, that is cool for a hot minute, but then it becomes chaos. I mean, you, you got to have some limiting factors. you got to have some shape to that. But what are the edges? What do we mean move fast and break things? Are we breaking rules? Are we breaking laws? Are we breaking each other, right? Without the context or any other information, a single element inside an EVP may sound a little forgive me here, but psychotic. So we flesh that idea out, that core idea, with additional information that provide context, that provide more information. Here's an example. So let's say your EVP is, we offer our staff the chance to do the work they want to do and push themselves and grow themselves. Okay, you could wordsmith that. In fact, I'd highly recommend it if that's, if I've just described your company, and by the way, if I did, ooh, that seems weird, but anyway. It's an idea. We offer our staff the chance to do the work they want to do to push themselves and grow themselves. Just that idea gives you a sense of what this company is all about. That's the EVP. That's the brand positioning, right? Pillars under that are there to support it and kind of help you connect dots. So in this example, the pillars, and I have four here just arbitrarily, and we'll talk about more how that works in a minute, but the first one is all ideas are considered, but the best idea wins. Okay, I've heard that places. It's a okay, it's a meritocracy kind of situation. It's a low politics sort of kind of claim. It's the sense that just because I'm the vice president of whatever, that doesn't mean uh, my ideas are better than the specialist in a space. Pillar two would be uh, we have a deep appreciation for our company's history as we invent the future. Right? You think of like a like a big bank or Ford or GM or so or G, you know, GE is a great example. Companies that have a really long past. Hewlett Packard, you know, these companies that have been around for a pretty long time and their history is littered with successes and wins and great ideas and pivots and whatever, right? That shapes their future. This is a company who is not throwing out the past. To, for the sake of the future, they're influenced by it. Now, some companies would say that's exactly who we aren't. Great, that's not your pillar. Exactly, good. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you 
and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. Third pillar, everyone at every level is accountable for their work and actions. Honestly, I think more companies should say stuff like this. I think it's there, but it's not spoken of. It's kind of under the surface. And making it a pillar says, no, we commit to these ideas that everyone at every level is accountable. And that's great to kind of say, hey, we care about treating people equally or we have a no-jerk policy. Okay, so if that's the pillar that everyone's accountable for their work and their actions and you hired a jerk, one, are you going to fire them? Yes or no? If you do, it's proof that pillar three is true. If you don't, it's proof that pillar three is not true. Okay, pillar four, we treat everyone with respect no matter their background. Kind of a more DEI, DEIE focus of approach. Do you need a DEI pillar? No. Is DEI important? A lot of times, yes. I'm not going to be the expert on that. So, But if you care about DEI, it's a thing you should be embedding in that. It makes a lot of sense. So at this point, having said all that, you might think I'm trying to make things really complicated just to justify my position, right? Just to justify a salary or justify an excuse to buy a book. Well, um, no. <laughs> I can see why you think that. I can see why that might be a complaint. But the pillars are necessary as a means to frame the core value, right? To say it's not just this. Here's the color around it. And this is an aside. You've seen, uh, maybe you've seen, I, I read The Verge a lot. So that's why, you know, consumer technology is on my head. They now do um, TVs, right? Just televisions, right? LEDs or LCDs, whatever. And they have lights on the back of it to glow in a color that's aligned to what's on the screen, right? So if you're watching a big, uh, you're watching a vista of the sky and the sea, the backgrounds are blue. If you're watching the vista of the sky but on the ground, the top section will be blue, but the bottom section will be darker or dark green or dark brown or something like that, right? It shapes and creates more space. It makes that environment, it makes that screen feel bigger, more encompassing, it more wrap around, right? It kind of feels like something immersive. In a lot of ways, the pillars are kind of like that. It's a bit of a stretch. I give it to you, I get it, but you know, we do metaphors here, right? It's the sense that the EVP is the screen. The pillars are what are around it to kind of extend it out, to make it feel more real. Like you're, like a person is, it's not a one note. A person is more enwrapped, in, in you know, in, in engaged in that idea, right? They're immersed in that idea. Or think of it like, I don't know, food. The core EVP is the, the protein. If you're, you know, if you're vegan, it can be tofu, it can be seitan, whatever. Uh, but fish or beef all by itself is, you know, really boring. <laughs> So we put on a sauce and some vegetables and maybe you throw a carb or a roll on the side. In that way, a piece of beef can become beef wellington. It can become beef and broccoli. It can become a steak burrito, right? It's still beef, but the stuff around it changes the shape of the protein. It changes the nature of the protein. It changes how you treat the protein. Any one individual idea is probably pretty boring by itself, right? Like broccoli... 
pretty boring, but beef and broccoli at a Chinese restaurant can be delicious, right? Together, all those elements create a complete dish, one that stands apart from others, even if they share a lot of ingredients. And that's important when there's millions of companies trying to differentiate themselves using a limited pool of value propositions. The combinations and the way they describe those combinations is what makes their EVP unique. Now, before I get to the next section of how to make the pillars in your EVP kind of work together, I'm going to add in something here. And this is where my thinking may have evolved. I'm still 100% not sure, <laughs> and there's a phrase for you, right? that you need a full EVP. I mean, when I say full EVP or a formal EVP, I mean an EVP statement and a couple of pillars under it to support it, maybe wrapped with a tagline, right? That is a full kind of, that's something you would buy from an agency for thirty, forty, fifty thousand $50,000, right? You say, you do the work and you do the research and you come back and you tell us what is our EVP, which is our brand, our, our EVP statement, our pillars, and maybe a tagline if there's creative involved, right? I'm not 100% sure every company needs the whole kit and caboodle. I, I, I'm just not quite convinced. Big, massive, distributed companies, I think there's a real place for that because as we'll see, when the EVP gets localized, if you're to your office in Germany, to your office in China, to your office in India, to your office in Cincinnati or whatever, a single note, a single idea of your brand position, it may not be enough. Again, it's a lot like, hey, here's some beef, here's some chicken, here's some fish. It's not enough to create a meal. And asking the localities to kind of wrap it with something local so that you can say it's beef, but when we hand it to China, it becomes, well, I'm not going to pretend that beef and broccoli were actually made in China. That's not how they eat, obviously. But in Germany, it becomes some sort of schnitzel. And maybe in India, well, actually, India is a bad example. They don't eat beef, do they? Uh, it, but, you know, places that in Cincinnati, they turn into chili and they stick it on pasta for some god-awful reason. I don't understand that. But how you use it is a function of locale or the function of the team or the function of the office or what have you. It doesn't really matter. Like I said... If it's a big distributed company, having an EVP with pillars, I can see value. Is it necessary? I'm not hard and fast on that. I'm not, that's not a hill I'm gonna die on. I think there are ways companies can be very smart and very effective with a brand position, with a loose sense of what they're all about. But <laughs> that is not uh, an endorsement of no one needs an EVP. No, lots of people need EVPs. Lots of people need a full EVP. But smaller companies, uh, startups, they may not need the full EVP, right? You don't need a fully staffed people team day one of your startup. That's something that evolves over time as you have a, as you staff up, as you grow to a certain point. You go, you know what? We need some people to help us manage our people. It, it's a natural progression. So you may grow into an EVP. Your company may be 200 people and you don't need it, but you might one day get to that point. Okay, so just putting that out there. Next, beyond the flavors, how EVP, that. Beyond flavors, how pillars make your EVP work. But the second purpose of pillars is to make the EVP work for all aspects of your company, to create a brand that resonates with the facilities team and the sales team in equal measures, for the Melbourne office and the Seattle office to feel like both are connected to the company, but also localized to where they are. 
The cardinal sin of employer brand is trying to be everything to everyone, right? That concept of employer bland, it's boiling it down to the point where it's tapioca, and frankly, tapioca is delicious, so it boils it down even further to the point where it's tasteless mush. Remember, the goal isn't just to define your brand, but to differentiate your brand relative to other companies and other options. This is a lot easier said than done. In the process of developing your brand, everybody's going to want to be heard, and I mean everybody. They're also going to want their perspective baked into that brand. So if your company has a strong brand, it will tend to hire people who align to the brand. But since you don't currently have a strong brand, your talent will have a wider array, a wider variety of interests and motivations and drivers, right? There was no North Star around which to say culturally or brand-wise, this is what we're all about. So local managers and hiring managers and leaders hired smart people, but they might not be smart people who align with what your culture is about to be. You're kind of reigning in the chaos, and sometimes that means getting rid of pieces that no longer fit, right? You're going to be really, really tempted to try and draw a circle around everybody and say, ah, right, this is who we are, so this must be our culture. But the wider the circle, the less clear that circle becomes. So don't stop at one or two. Think of a brand as a personality. Every person has forward-facing traits. And those they tend to keep in reserve, right? They're different. Everybody you know, has an inside voice and an outside voice. Everybody has how they work, act at work and how they act at home and how they act with their buddies from college and how they act when their parents are around, right? As real people, they have complete personalities, not just a, a trait or two, right? The comedian who can't stop telling jokes is that kind of personality. The one who feels less than human or fractured because he's not enough, there's none of there there. Yeah, same person. They can be the same person. So the rule of thumb is to have three to five pillars. It's not a hard and fast rule. And you can make an argument though there can be more. And in fact, I know one company that has 10, but they're a very special case as they are massive and complicated and messy and I get it. And they don't treat those pillars exactly like pillars. However, any less than three, you're talking about a pretty thin or maybe even a bloodless brand, something very anemic, right? It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a meal made of two ingredients. Yeah, okay, I guess. Any more than that? And you really don't show that you stand for anything. You are trying to draw the circle too wide. Yes, there are exceptions, but for the most part, shoot for four plus or minus, right? Keep it tight. Now, pillars aren't values. Please make that clear. They're different. They're very, very different. The other, I mean, the mistake we often make is that they're the same. I see that over and over again when people relatively new to the industry kind of say, okay, so we defined our values and those are our pillars, so therefore we built a brand on top of that. No, don't do that. And I see people talk about it and think about it and kind of try and launch it, and it doesn't really quite work. We talked before how values are a huge part of the brand total structure, right? How it influences the culture, how it influences who you are, how it influences the choices being made. Yes, it's very important. Values are meaningful and they're super helpful to have defined, but do not confuse them with pillars. Instead, you can think of pillars two ways. First, like facets or modifiers of the larger brand position, but also how you present your values to candidates and employees. So as modifiers, the pillars solve the problem of trying to make the brand too singular, right? 
Let's go back to that Volvo example, right? We talk about cars a lot in this podcast, a lot in this book. Um, they've been beaten up on the Toyota, uh, Toyota Camry for a while. Let's bring the Volvo, right? They've always been known for being a safe car. Like all their commercials were all about let's drive the car off the, off the cliff and people survive and super, super safe, super, super safe. Is it attractive? Ah, is it reliable? Let's talk about that later. It's about safety. And for a certain audience, that's what they're all about. So having made all their commercials about safety, it's very easy for Volvo to feel one-dimensional where you say, we don't talk about whether the car is attractive or not. It's all about safety. No, you, you, the car has to kind of be vaguely attractive. It can't look like, uh, you know, something horrible, ugly, something repulsive, something that looks broken to begin with, right? You have to kind of satisfy for some other considerations like reliability or set or efficiency or ease of maintaining or attractiveness. The pillars flesh out the core brand message and allow you to give it more life. So if Volvo's core EVP is safety, the pillars are and reliable and efficient and whatever. And I'm not, you know, again, I'm not pimping for Volvo here. I'm just saying that's kind of how you build a brand. It gives it more structure. In the kind of real world, their commercials are all about safety. But when you walk into the dealership, they're happy to talk about reliability. They're happy to talk about you know, ease of use. They're happy to talk about customer satisfaction. The commercial is the hook. It's the singular message that they say over and over and over to talk to the very particular audience they care about, who cares about safety, to bring them in, and then they kind of finish satisficing all the other ideas, right? The other way to use your values is to take them and see them through the lens of your candidates and employees. So for example, if one of your company values is that you're innovative, okay, sure, I guess, how does that look to a non-consumer audience? Now I ask because quote unquote, we're innovative, aside from being really, really weak, sounds like consumer marketing copy, right? It doesn't say anything. It sounds like you're saying what everybody else is saying. Remember, you're trying to convince people who may very soon try to apply into your ATS. And let's be fair, your ATS is not gonna feel innovative almost ever. You can't really make that claim that you feel innovative when they're about to touch the ATS because the second they do, it's very likely they go, oh, yeah, innovative relative to a lot of other boring companies. I mean, how is your HR team innovative? How is your legal team innovative or compliance, right? The value of a we are innovative pillar is designed to extract money from a customer not to get someone to apply. So now you need to re-describe that value to your new audience, i.e. candidates and prospects. Maybe you'll talk about how you're always testing new ideas or you're always optimizing or that you're willing to uh, try things that are unusual. You're willing to fail. There's lots of different ways to structure that idea of we're innovative to that audience. You know, you're all about being open to ideas or any other way to grow. Those are very employer brand focused pillars built on likely values. Now, remapping the values is a really safe approach because you're kind of riding on the comms team or the, or the, who, you know, whatever tiger team kind of built and codified the values, riding on their coattails. They're pre approved. You just kind of have to rewrite them and re look at them, present your perspective and look at those values to your particular lens. I'm not a big fan of that, but as a crutch, it can work. 
But just keep in mind that your job is to describe the entire company, not just to get a brand done. You know, branding is not a project that you push over the line and say, ah, oh, we're done. It is really about kind of describing a big idea and then finding a way to take that idea and instilling it in lots of people so that they can kind of think about it and digest it and say, hey, the way I would describe this concept, this idea of this company, is this way, and it's valid, and someone else might say, yeah, I hear you, but I would say it this way, and it can be also valid, right? When you get nurses and data scientists talking about the same idea, they're gonna describe it using different languages, different metaphors, different ideas. It still can be valid so long as you've accurately captured and described the brand, okay? That's, 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 that's really kind of step one, but then you can see how the pillars give it more, value, more meat, really more opportunity to say, okay, the nurse might say, I care about pillar one and pillar two, and the data scientist may say, I care about pillar one and pillar four. That's valid too. You're giving them more options. I'm not saying that your EVP is kind of like a set of tinker toys that you can kind of put together as needed, but I'm not not saying that, right? You have these ingredients, you decide the meal that needs to be made for this particular situation. The task of capturing the complete brand and giving it life is not easy, but when you do it right, there's a real impact if you really kind of nail it and define it and do it in a way that everybody can just look at it and say, yep, that looks and feels and sounds like my company. Do not try and skip it to the end, right? Do not try and just go, oh yeah, here's some values, here's some, here's some big ideas, this is why we're cool, and throw it over the fence and say we're done. You really have to pressure test it. You really have to get into it. You really have to make sure that you're describing and defining the company that exists and also providing a point of differentiation. All right, thanks so much for listening. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about distilling things, and this is gets this gets fun. This gets exciting. This is a little more fast-paced than the big architecture episode from last week or two. I can't remember when I do things, but hopefully you'll really enjoy it. So as always, thanks to RecruitmentMarketing.com for sponsoring the entire season. Go to RecruitmentMarketing.com to learn more about Ask Me Anything and about their massive community of recruitment marketing professionals. Otherwise, I will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.